Hello and welcome back to the Friendship Bed Podcast. I'm Alma and I'm here with Crystal. Hey! We love to have real, honest conversations about life and how the conservative culture that we both grew up in shaped our mindsets. Oh boy, did it ever. (laughs) We always have like new little things we say after our little intro. (laughs) We need to just like actually record like a little intro clip yeah yeah we do then we don't have to do it every time (laughs) yeah we're back talking about purity culture again this week but we're going to focus on one specific one specific aspect of it and it's going to be good i think the conversation mm -hmm. will be good yeah the aspect of purity culture is not no i don't know how long we're going to talk about purity culture how long do you think we're going to talk about purity culture I don't know, until we feel like we're done. (laughs) It's such a multifaceted thing. Yeah. That like kind of... Brenda, like when Brenda was on the podcast, she like pointed out how it affects every aspect of your life. Yeah. And especially as a teenage girl, when you're first introduced Mm -hmm. to it, it just does. It affects every aspect of your life. And I feel, I think another thing that makes it such a big deal is that your teenage years are some of the most formative years Mm -hmm. in your life. And that is when purity culture gets really pushed on you, especially as a girl. Yeah. And so that makes it all the more impactful Mm -hmm. in all of the wrong ways. Yeah. And it just ends up sticking its fingers in all the areas of your life. The fact that we're now discovering, like, like, even in this book that Sheila Gregor wrote that we talked about last time. um, Mm -hmm. The fact that they're doing so many studies and finding so much information about how women in their 30s, our age, are still being affected by the messages of purity culture yeah. is like just so appalling. I, the fact that it can, that it has taken away from women self esteem, um, good sex lives, respect, mm-hmm. like it's just harmed so many aspects. Yeah. Of women's lives. Yeah. So I guess that's why we're still talking about it. Hopefully it's helping someone to hear about it. Yeah. Before we dive in to talking about more about purity culture, do we want to share our breadcrumbs? Yes. I would like to go first so that you can't steal mine. (laughs) You probably you probably won't. It turns out I'm getting old, Crystal, because my breadcrumb is that Worcester, Ohio got a Meyer. (laughs) I'm excited about a new grocery store. (laughs) That was not my breadcrumb. (laughs) I didn't think it was, but I thought you were going to say that we've had such great weather. Well, I don't know. I felt like it was a little bit repetitive. So much sunshine. It's like been almost glorious. too much. Yeah. I, agree. I mean, I say almost too much because my breadcrumb is that my garden is planted and I would have liked a little bit of rain for my garden. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's almost too much because you ended up with a huge oh, I sunburn. Did. I did end up with a huge sunburn, but um, she's I mean, tan, folks. She's tan. Yes. If you are looking for me in a crowd and you can't spot me because I'm not fluorescent white, sorry about that. 
<laughs> she's like a nice golden baked brown now. Yeah, I blend in more now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you cracked me up. That's hilarious. Yeah, one of your friends, one of our friends called you fluorescent. She has called me fluorescent for a few years, and I've just finally decided to just own it. Yeah. It but, is what it is. But this summer, you're not fluorescent anymore. No. So that label's going to have to fall by the wayside. But yes, my breadcrumb is that there's a Meyer in Worcester, Ohio, and it's it's a new grocery store to go to in Worcester, and it's fun, and it's brand new, so it's clean, and it's they have Sushi Wednesdays. I didn't know that. Yeah. Where they're little, like, they have a little sushi section. I'm telling you, I think the stores in Worcester should start paying us because first it was... <laughs> Old Navy. Old Navy. That was been a long time ago. Yeah. And and now, you know, Meyer, And yeah. they don't pay us a cent for these advertisements. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. They have Sushi Wednesday where, like, some of their sushi, like, some of the, you know, not the super, like, um, complicated sushis, but, like, the... Littler sushis are like $5, like $5 sushi Wednesday. Oh, that's cool. Um, Yeah. It's just. I, I did. I went to my, I mean, you were talking about Meyer so much. So <laughs> I went to Meyer because I had never been to one mm-hmm. and I was impressed. Found some nice things. So yeah, it's, it's originally a Michigan deal. store. So I grew up around oh. Meyer. Yeah. It's an Ohio. Let I, them in. I believe it's like a Michigan family owned, like. <laughs> in Ohio, let them in. Well, they let me in, so. Well, it's because they realize that occasionally some value comes out of Michigan. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sorry. It's okay. I will stop now. <laughs> I just, I don't actually care, but I just say the Michigan jokes because Alma comes from Michigan. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's, I get it. Yeah. I spent 16 years of my life in Michigan, I think. Like, my childhood was Michigan. Mm-hmm. I was in New York for, like, till I was three. Um, so very short amount of time. The rest of my childhood, Michigan. And so I grew up around Meyer, and it's just kind of fun that it's close, but they've updated themselves a lot now. They're like a much nicer store than what I grew up with. And yeah, anyhow, I've talked about Meyer for a long time now, but it's fun. If you haven't visited the Meyer in Worcester, Ohio, and you are old like us and excited about new grocery stores, you should go check it out. <laughs> I mean, my younger sister called me the other day to tell me that or was it earlier today? Actually, it may have been today. I don't remember. Because <laughs> I'm old, like you said. Um, but she called to let me know that she went to the Meyer just to check it out. She didn't buy anything, but she walked around to check it out. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, she liked it. So Yeah. So your breadcrumb was that your garden, garden is planted. planted. That's how I got my sunburn. Yes. But yes. Yeah. Earlier we talked about the sun. Yes. Your garden looks so good. Yeah. I can't wait for everything to start growing and then it'll look better, but. I can't wait for everything to start growing and then I'm just going to come and stare at it. I thought for a second you were going to say steal it. <laughs> I can't steal a garden. <laughs> I could try to steal the flowers from your garden. Okay. But they're well, not even blooming yet. If it all pans out as it's supposed to, <laughs> hopefully they'll, there will be flowers for you to steal. <laughs> Or for me to give you. I'm just going to come over to your house, build a bouquet, and... I'll pull in, and you're leaving, and just waving flowers at me. <laughs> and I'll be like, hey, come back! You have to spend time with me for those! <laughs> That's your payment! <laughs> That's hilarious. 
I'm really excited to see your garden grow. I've just kind of like procrastinated my garden this spring mm-hmm. and I'm still going to plant some things. They're just going to be very late. I'm going to have a late blooming garden. But my, that's, o- that's okay. My chamomile though. Oh. It took off like crazy. Your chamomile is a whole garden in itself. Yeah. It's insane. It's. It's insane. <laughs> If if you follow us on Instagram and you saw the stories I did with her chamomile in it, it is much more beautiful now than Ooh. it was in those stories. Mental note: I will I will post I'll post a picture of this next week. Okay, after we have talked about it now on the podcast, and I love chamomile. It's my favorite scent in the world. I think. I think Love I might it. need to smell it because I'm drawing a blank right now. <laughs> it's very soothing, which makes sense because chamomile is used to help people fall asleep. Mm-hmm. So, And then I had volunteer lettuce plants. Like what, where, how, why, when? But I have wonderful, beautiful, fresh lettuce. That's amazing. So I harvested a bunch today. Your garden knew you needed some fresh lettuce. And it's just like, <laughs> here, here, I will grow it for you. Yeah. I know you didn't ask me, but here it is. The funniest part is that last year when I planted those seeds, like half of my lettuce didn't come up. And now, so now for some reason up. it came up. And I'm like, what took you so long? Like, welcome. Glad you're here. They, they took the long route. <laughs> yeah. But anyhow, school's out for the summer. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's it's summer. It got here so quickly. It did. And the weather's great. Yeah. Yeah. My kids are thrilled. Yeah. They're just all over the place. Mm-hmm. Tis the season. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, do we want to dive into our... Yes. Yes. That was not hesitant at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> Crystal's the best. Um, and before we get, like, really into this topic... We want to make sure that we include a trigger warning. We are going to be talking about instances of harassment and a stalker and some other things of that nature. This is also probably not a child-friendly episode. No, it's absolutely not a child-friendly episode. Yeah, this might be a good one to pop those earbuds in for. Yeah. And if any of those topics are like something you don't want to hear about, then skip this episode. Yeah. All right, so in last week, no, not last week, in last episode, last episode, two weeks ago, we talked about Sheila Grigor's new book, She Deserves Better, and we went through the different chapters, and so we wanted to kind of pull out our topic from chapter four, which she titled, She Deserves to be Respected, and that's where she told the story of Shel Silverstein's The Giving Tree and... Crystal and I loved that little analogy mm-hmm. she did and how she made the point of how important boundaries are. Mm-hmm. So I guess how we're going to format is this is I'm going to pull out several quotes from this chapter and then we're going to like talk about our experiences mm-hmm. with this. In this chapter, she talked about how in like summer camp, a lot of times girls were taught the joy ma- mantra, Jesus first, others second, you third. And one quote she has in here is, being others-oriented is an excellent praiseworthy thing. The Christian walk is predicated upon a call to selflessly love and serve others. But if your daughter is trying to live out this joy lifestyle, what is she to do when dealing with people who are making her uncomfortable? And an example she gives is, 
A shy, socially awkward boy is in love with your daughter and keeps asking her out even though she turns him down every time. It's beginning to feel like harassment. How do you draw boundaries in these situations if you're supposed to put yourself last? We're supposed to emulate Jesus who literally died for us, so how do we have any right to say no when the consequences aren't as dire? Our daughters need to know why Jesus sacrificed himself for people, or perhaps they need to know what were not the reasons he sacrificed himself. Then later on in the chapter, she says, your daughter needs to feel secure in her permission to do things like speak up firmly and say no when a boy is sexually harassing her at school, even if it has social consequences, leave a friend group that makes her feel as if she isn't good enough, pretty enough, or popular enough, don't let the joy mentality teach your daughter that she is worth less than any other people or that she should bury truth in exchange for peace. But even more than emotional safety, let's teach our girls that their physical safety matters too. Mm-hmm. And then another excerpt says, often girls are told in subtle ways that drawing boundaries around personal safety means failing to live for the sake of the gospel. Is this the message that we want to give our girls? That Jesus cares so little for them that he's fine that they experience trauma if it means someone else hears about him? This is not a fringe experience either. Far too many evangelical circles have made themselves unsafe for girls because they ask girls to put their safety on hold for the sake of making predators comfortable. And Mm. she gave multiple examples. The world watched as the news about Josh Duggar's molestation of his sisters, which his parents had kept hush-hush. When interviewed, Jim Bob Duggar downplayed the trauma his daughters endured, saying, this was not rape or anything like that. This was just touching over the clothes. There were a couple instances where he touched someone under the clothes, but like for a few seconds. Michelle said, I know that every one of us have done things wrong. That's why Jesus came. The couple ended the interview declaring that we want to be an advocate for protecting juvenile records. So, not an advocate for protecting girls. <laughs> yeah, not protecting a, juvenile not records. A, not a, not even a, not an advocate for protecting juvenile women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or men. because Ju- what happened not is not an advocate for protecting yeah. juveniles. Just their records. Yeah, because his record got leaked. Right, exactly. that's what happened. Yes, mm-hmm. and so it brought him under scrutiny. Which yes. I mean, as rightfully so, I would think. Like I, it, it kind of appears so. Yeah. Um. I don't know that. I'm not. I honestly, I don't follow it close enough to know. I know. I think in that instance, I yeah, obviously, like not every situation like that is going to become national news, but they were already in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. So, is it fair to have the whole nation scrutinizing him? Probably not in the long run, but. They were already in the spotlight, and so that's what happened. Well, I mean, and it's in the spotlight because they put themselves in the spotlight. Yeah. I and, mean. And the thing is, is that they lied about it for so long. Mm-hmm. And so then when it came to light and then they were – they said these things, that does not come across well at no. all. So – Anyways, um, moving on, she wrote, in our survey of women's experiences as teenagers, 18.7% of respondents reported being sexually harassed at church before they turned 18. Of those who were harassed as minors, 102 received unwanted sexual attention from their pastor. 20.3% were harassed by a youth leader or Sunday school teacher. And 47.4% were, percent were harassed by another adult in the church. This erasing of women's boundaries for the sake of predatory men has even happened in our own personal circles. When Rebecca was 15 years old, there was an 18-year-old young man attending the youth group who gave off a distinctly predatory vibe. However, even after some of the girls expressed their fear of this young man to the youth leader and gave their reasons for why they found him dangerous, the youth leader simply chastised the girls for being judgmental. Instead of being concerned about safety, 
The leader told the girls to prioritize the boy's opinion of Jesus. The girls were told to accept him, even though they thought he was weird, quote, air quotes. The girls had no problem with weird, air quotes. It was dangerous they were concerned with. So that's what she wrote about that in that chapter. Obviously, there's more in that chapter, but I wanted to pull out like mm-hmm. a few quotes to really emphasize what we're talking about. And it's this experience that we have yeah. as teenagers. And we all, I feel like, <laughs> I I want to say all teenage girls have experiences, like all who grew up in evangelical churches and went to youth group. I I hope they didn't. I hope that I'm very much exaggerating that. I don't know, though, because just, I mean, the story of this guy coming to youth group who made them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yes, because yeah. how many, I mean, I can't even count how many times there were people, specifically guys, that came to youth group or different youth group functions and not just... I've, in my teenage years, I was at multiple different youth groups Mm -hmm. and I can't say that it didn't happen at any of them. Like, I think it happened to all of them Mm -hmm. where somebody came who gave off uncomfortable vibes, but I always knew or felt like I still had to make sure I was nice to them Mm -hmm. and because you know, we're representing God and Jesus and the church. So mm-hmm. we have to be welcoming and loving. Well, and especially because purity culture played so heavily on teaching girls, they need to be sweet mm-hmm. and soft-spoken. And it does not feel like we, we don't feel like we're being sweet or soft-spoken, mm-hmm. you know, if we're having to tell someone, no, I if we're having to set a boundary with someone because we feel creeped out by them. We yeah. also are very much conditioned to feel like that's us being judgmental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which makes me – that makes me really sad to think back and to think that I was worried about seeming judgmental mm-hmm. to people that made me feel unsafe. I know. I know. Isn't that crazy? That's just wild. It's, it's everything that she just talked about in mm-hmm. that chapter. Like, it's it's because the church for too long has prioritized that over girls' safety. Mm-hmm. It, it makes me think of there was a guy, I, I think the first time I met him, I was probably 13. We were giving him a ride to church. Your family? Yes. Okay. And he made me very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But I still felt like I had to be nice to him because, you know, we're giving him a ride to church. Mm-hmm. And fast forward to me being probably about 19, 20, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And he found me on Facebook. I had not seen him in years and started messaging me. Mm-hmm. He still made me uncomfortable. But I messaged him back because I didn't want to be unkind. Mm-hmm. And he tried very hard to get me to meet him at a coffee shop by myself. Mm. And I was like, no. And I even I even in how I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I said, oh, you could come to like youth group or something. I felt unsafe around him. 
Mm-hmm. And I still invited him to come to our youth group thing mm-hmm. because I didn't want to be unkind. Yeah. Like, I look back and that's just like, I yeah. invited an unsafe person yeah. to an event. I mean, no. From an outside perspective, you can look at that and be like, um, why did you message him back in the first place? But, yes. But if you are saying that from an outside, you don't understand the mindset you're in. It's so conditioned it's, in you to be yes. kind to everyone. Yes. Even if they make you uncomfortable. Yes. Because you're I think, being judgmental. I think most of us have been there where in some situation or another, something has happened that we were uncomfortable and we responded in a way that we didn't actually mean mm-hmm. simply to be kind. To spare someone else's feelings because we don't want to hurt them. Yes. And when the fact of the matter is, if someone's being creepy, you owe them nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Not even just when they're being creepy, but you get what I mean. Yeah. 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 I, my personal experiences, um, I mean, in high school, yes, like older, older guys, like at youth group, they would use like inappropriate language around me, kind of like to see my reaction do you know what I mean? Has it ever happened to you? I don't know what their motive was. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know the reason, but they would like, I could tell they were like gauging my reaction. And looking back now, I'm like, that was really inappropriate for how young I was and mm-hmm. how old they were and like how weird I felt in the situation. It was just inappropriate all around. Um, and yeah, like you said about Facebook, I don't know why Facebook messages were such a thing, but like <laughs> I would get messages from like boys who wouldn't talk to me in person mm-hmm. at youth group, but then I'd get messages from them. I had one guy who I was like, you know, being nice, messaging back, and then he seemed like he like finally got up to the nerve to be like, so like, I don't know, ask me if I wanted to do something together. And I felt so trapped because I was like, I've been being nice to him now because that's what I'm supposed to do as a nice person. Mm -hmm. And now if I say no, so I don't know how, I can't remember how I told him no, but I did. And then he came back with, I'm a really nice guy. Like what... (laughs) What else do you want? Like, what? Like, do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, and I'm just like, this is so awkward. Like, I, it was a horrible position to be put in. When a ri- I would have never had to message him back in the first place. Yes. He never talked to me in person. But even beyond that, like, this, like, coming in with that idea of, like, well, I'm a nice guy. What else mm-hmm. do you want? Yeah, you could be a really great guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know. I still don't owe you, you anything. No, and that, but that doesn't mean that there's any. Just because someone is a great guy doesn't mean that you're interested. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I feel like. I feel like it does a disservice to both the girls and the guys because I can see how he was like probably a pretty shy, awkward guy. And mm-hmm. he probably didn't want to talk to me in person. And so, like, behind his computer or his phone or wherever he was messaging from he felt safer Mm -hmm. and then i was messaging him back so he was probably in his little teenage mind thinking like oh she's messaging me back she might like me Mm -hmm. and then he finds out i don't so like it did both of us a disservice but also he wasn't taught how to accept a no 
Right. Like, they need to, boys need to be taught how to accept a no and how to respect girls when they say no. Yeah. So. And also, like, women are taught you need to be this and this and this and this and this and this. Boys, oh, as long as you're nice. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, and and that's not just because that's what he said, but that really is, like, what it is. Even if it's not said in those terms, like. Like, that's the expectation. Yeah. You you just have to be nice. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no. the expectations for, like, even as adults, for what is considered, like, really great as a guy and, like, a boyfriend or a husband are so much lower than girls. Yes. And it's a bit appalling. Yes. He just has to be nice and thoughtful sometimes. Mm-hmm. And... I just, like, I just think of so many Facebook posts of, like, I came home today and my husband had washed the dishes and, like, this and this and this. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Okay. That might come across a little judgy. <laughs> I – we shouldn't have to brag on our husbands if they did the dishes because yes, they because live they were- in the same home we live in. Yes. They're supposed to be your equal partner. Yeah. And, like, that includes all of the things. But then for a woman, you are expected to – look good all the time mm-hmm. um you better be able to cook like you need to produce some good tasting food for that nice guy to eat <laughs> we have bunny trailed we have bunny trailed um <laughs> i mean there's just like a lot yeah of yeah things. oh there's so many more yes yes <laughs> how do we end up here <laughs> we got triggered by the <laughs> but i'm a nice guy comment and we went down the rabbit trail I was very triggered by that. I was just, all I saw was nice guy flashing in neon letters. Okay, so back from our tangent. Um, Basically, that's, that's, yeah, my experiences were kind of what she shared in the book. Like, just like, guys, I feel like guys just simply, teenage guys, just simply not knowing how to accept a no. And then, I mean... Like I said, I hope it's not true. I hope not all teenage girls experience this. But it is shocking and honestly horrifying looking back at my teenage years at how much attention I got from older men. For me, my biggest experience wasn't in my teenage years. Mm -hmm. It was after I was already 20. (laughs) Mm, Okay. Um, Actually, I had just turned 20 a little bit before. Okay. So, um... I think I've talked before that I went about that I went on a missions trip, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, to so, India. Yes. So I had come back from that to our youth group being completely different. There's a whole bunch of people that weren't there when I left mm-hmm. who are now there. And one of the guys, I, he was one of those people that just made you feel a little unsafe. Mm-hmm. But... I was, I told myself I was being too judgmental because everyone else likes him and, you know, they all say he's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And so obviously it's just me and I'm just, I'm wrong about that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to be nice to him because I don't have anything, like, it's not that there's any evidence that he is an unsafe person. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just being too sensitive. Mm-hmm. So I was nice to him, you know, treated him like everybody else. And 
fast forward to, it would have been like February, January or February. I had come back from the trip in August. So at this point in February, I've known him for a little over six months, right? Somewhere around there. And I did not feel like I knew him all that well. But um, one night he asked me if he could talk to me. I honestly, actually, I was, did not know what he wanted to talk to me about because I did a lot of planning and stuff for the youth group. And so I just thought it might be something that like he wants me to help with an event of some sort. Looking back, I should have had some warning bells because my sister uh, had and her now husband had just announced that they were had started dating. So so we went on a walk outside and he asked me if I would go out with him on a date. I did not want to be rude. You're supposed to be kind, right? So I knew I did not want to date him at all. But I was like, well I have to let him down easy. Mm-hmm. So I told him I would pray about it. Okay. And I went home. And a few days later, I called him and I told him, yeah, I don't think that I can go on a date with you. And he said, yeah, I had a feeling you were going to say that. But God told me I needed to ask you anyway. The same type of situation happened again, only he didn't. He just walked straight up to me like when I was standing somewhere by myself. He didn't actually like he didn't ask if we could talk or anything. And asked me out again. And I told him, no, I don't think so. But I guess I can pray about it. So I, again, I waited like a day. And then I called him and I said, yeah, I'm still getting a no. And um, I just don't see that. Mm-hmm. He said, I, I knew you were going to say no. God, this was another test. And if you had said yes, I would have been concerned that you weren't hearing from God. Oh, my goodness. Now, all of a sudden, it's Easter. We are in church in the middle of worship. And he moves past people that are in the row next to me to come stand next to me to ask if I would go on a date with him after church. And I said, no, it's Easter. I'm spending it with my family. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, maybe another time then. And I said, no, I don't think so. Yeah. And, you know, at that point, he's asked me three times in a, what I would call a short period of time. Two months. That I think that is when I told, didn't, I didn't respond with, I'm going to pray about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Because he was also, during that time, he would randomly text me sometimes. And it wasn't, he wasn't texting me to ask me out, but he would just kind of like tell me I was on his mind or he was praying for me to the point where, I actually asked my brother-in-law, who, you know, back then he was one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, he still is, but um, <laughs> now <laughs> he's be glad also to hear a brother-in-law. <laughs> I don't know if he knows that, so <laughs> shocker to him. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's now he's, I mean, he's, he's just a brother now. So, you know, I yeah. don't know. Anyway, that is just a bunny trail. Okay. <laughs> Back on track, Crystal. I actually went to him and was like, hey, can you please go talk to this guy? Because he will not leave me alone. And mm-hmm. he keeps texting me. 
this had happened before Easter. Yeah. So I had asked him to go talk to him. And I really... Oh, oh I see what you're saying. Yes. Before Easter, I asked him to talk to him because he had asked me out twice. He made me even more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And he was texting me a lot. And so I said, can you just go let him know that I'm not interested mm-hmm. because... It's not like I'm not Your responding no, not to his stuff. Yeah. And I've told him I've prayed about it and I don't see it happening. And just I need like and I and during this whole thing, I didn't tell anybody about it except for the girl that was my roommate. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want to badmouth him mm-hmm. or and I didn't want other people to think badly of him, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, after Easter, I thought for a little bit that he had let it go. But by the fall, I was getting, every morning I would wake up, and he would have sent me a text message that was so long that it took up my entire phone screen, and I would have to scroll to read the whole text. Oh, my goodness. And often it was a, air quotes, prayer that he was praying over me. Sometimes he would talk about how he was praying over me as his future wife. Oh my goodness. But a lot of times he would just say that he was, you know, claiming things in the spiritual realm. Mm. Or he would talk about the future. And I I did not respond to these text messages. At some point I did talk to our pastor about it and say, "Hey, this guy will not leave me alone." Mhm. The pastor said, well, I'll talk to him. My roommate also had talked to him. I do remember, I don't, I don't blame her for any of this, but I know that she like had a lot of the same mindsets I did. Mm -hmm. And at one point she told me like, he's just like really confused. Mm -hmm. And just like, she's like, just, just don't stop having grace for him. Mm -hmm. And then like, which and I was like, yeah, you're right. That's what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Which, looking back, no. When he was texting me every day, I should have filed a police report. Mm-hmm. For harassment. For harassment. Because that's when I had all of the evidence. Yeah. Um. Well, and he was not stopping. No. You've no. had three people talk to him at this point. Yes. You've talked to him. Mm-hmm. He's not respecting no's. He, so he wouldn't, and, and so then he had stopped for a little bit. Actually, I think it was probably in the, like, thinking back, I think it was in the summer that I talked to the to our, our pastor, and the daily text messages stopped for a little bit. But then by the fall, they had picked back up again, and I was also getting phone calls. I would never answer them, and I would, I never responded to any of his text messages. Mm-hmm. I would get phone calls and he would leave me long voicemails to the point where he would get cut off because the voicemail was that long. Mm. And then he would call back and leave another one. Mm. One time I went with my roommate to an event and we were there for an hour and a half. And when I came out, I had four voicemails from him. Oh, my word. It was it was a lot and, and multiple text messages. I would get so many text messages and voicemails from him almost every day. That's insane. And then it just kept escalating to the point where I didn't feel safe in my house. I never actually saw him there, but I always felt like I was being watched. Mm -hmm. 
I did everything I could to prevent being outside after dark alone. Mm-hmm. If I was in the house, the door was always locked. Um, especially if my roommate was not home. I felt ridiculous, but sometimes I would literally run. If I needed to get something from the kitchen, I would literally run to the kitchen and back to my room because I did not feel safe out in the open space. Mm-hmm. And not all of our doors and everything had curtains. But even in my bedroom, I didn't feel safe. I often had to check the closet before I could fall asleep wow. because I felt like somebody was in there. Somewhere along the lines, a miracle happened and he lost my phone number. (laughs) And I thought, oh, maybe things have gotten better. I started dating the guy who's now my husband. And somewhere in the process of like when my pastor had talked to him, they did, after he still like wouldn't stop harassing me, they did eventually basically tell him, you probably should find a different church because she's not going anywhere and you can't keep coming here if she's here. Okay. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, um, that's good. mm -hmm. After my husband and I, like after we had started dating, somebody told us that they had been in contact with this guy and he told them that at some point in time that he had been in my room. Oh, my goodness. And he told them that he knew that I was dating my husband, but that he was still laying claim over me as his future wife and that it wouldn't last long. Mm. So that would have probably been about a year, a little over a year after he first asked me out is when that would have, that was happening. Okay. So because it was almost exactly a year after he would have asked me out that I started dating my husband. Okay. Fast forward another year and a half, we have gotten married. You and your husband. Mm Mm-hmm. And he sent me a message on Facebook from a new account because I had blocked his old one. And he said that he just needed to get a hold of me to tell me that he only created this account to message me. And he's never going to message me again. He just wanted me to have a way to be able to get a hold of him. Mm. So everything had started happening. Like when he first asked me out, did I say what year that was? No, you never said year. Okay, so that was in 2012. So when we got married, it was in August of 2014. Mm -hmm. So it was uh, sometime in the few months after that. That he messaged That he had messaged me again. Then in 2016, I got because I had blocked the other account, Mm -hmm. I got yet another message saying, hey, I just wanted to let you know that I don't live in the same county as you do anymore, but I am going to church really close to your church. But that's the only time I'm ever in that area. So I just wanted you to know that I'm never around there anymore. Okay. Okay. So he had gone a few years in between contact on those. Mm-hmm. And then fast You know, that's almost more jarring because like you think you're all good and then all of a sudden, boom. Yes, I would, I would start to forget about it and start to relax and then it would come out of the blue again. Yeah. And then in 2018, I got an email 
And I don't even remember what name was on the email. Like he just created a fake account? He created a fake account. It didn't have his real name on it. It basically started out saying, like, this is a letter that is being sent to you from your, the person, like a protector that God has placed on this earth for you. And I'm here to advocate for you. And I'm here to let you know. And basically, they, he proceeded to say a bunch of things about my husband mm. and said that I was going to come to find these things out. And it was all things that weren't true. Mm-hmm. I read it and just – he has a certain style of writing and I so I instantly knew. And just mm-hmm. the way he talks, I instantly knew it was him mm-hmm. and obviously didn't respond. And then like three days later, he emails me again. And this time he has actually changed the email to – like how you can you can send an email from an email address and you can put in whatever your name is. Mm-hmm. Well, he had changed the name. It was something like something, I forget what first name he had put in, but I remember that his last name he had put it in as good. Oh. And instead he changed it to being his actual name. I see. And he said, well, maybe you know this by now, but this is actually who, this is who I am. I just didn't feel like I should tell you because I thought that you would not believe anything I said if I told you who I was. At that point, my husband emailed him back and said, this is Crystal's husband. Don't ever contact her again Mm -hmm. or I will call the police. And he said, okay, I'll never contact her again. Bye. (laughs) But then he lied. (laughs) Surprise. Because in 2021, he again, I think that time he found a page I had created on Facebook for a like um, a direct sales business that I Mm -hmm. did and he messaged that I don't remember what all he said but I kind of panicked and I just deleted the whole page Um, (laughs) (laughs) you poor thing but then through that he had gotten my email address Mm. again because I see it seemed like he would lose my information somehow Mm -hmm. and He had gotten my email address that was associated with um, that page because Mm -hmm. I had it there for people Mm -hmm. to contact me. And he got that email address and then he emailed me at that email from a completely new email. It was like a completely different email than he ever emailed me from before. I don't remember even what all he said in that one. And then again, I didn't respond and didn't hear anything from him. I I want to point out, when you've told me this in the past, and even just because of when I got to know you, throughout all this time, you still felt so paranoid about, like, curtains in your house. Oh, yeah. And you were always, like, as soon as it started getting a little bit dark, you, like, whenever I was over at your house, yeah. you were, like, closing the curtains. And I knew about it. So, like, if it started getting dark, sometimes I'd help you close them. And you yeah, always I, just felt... I would never wait to close the curtains until it was dark. If yeah. it was even getting close to dark, the curtains were closed. Yeah, you and were if, still dealing yeah. with, like, feeling watched yes. and paranoid yes. about that. I know even if we had, like, gone somewhere and we came back home and it was, like, late or something and I hadn't, like, sometimes I would close the curtains 
during the day in anticipation of coming home in the dark. Mm. Or even um, I remember coming home and knowing, like, I need to get my kids changed and put to bed. But the curtains had to be closed first. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a bigger priority. Mm-hmm. And everyone, like, of course, closes their curtains at dark. Like, that's yeah. something humans do. But, like, from my perspective, like, yours was, like, these curtains need to be closed now. Like, yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, I just kind of forgotten about that. But, no, I, I'm glad you brought that up because that was even something that we talked in, in therapy. Yeah. I talked about that with yeah. my therapist because – I was like, I I can't, like, mm-hmm. not close them mm-hmm. because I feel like somebody is watching me outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was getting ready to move, um, my therapist, she had a lot of experience. She had dealt with people who had stalkers, and she said, I hate to have to tell you this, more likely than not, he knows where you live. Mm-hmm. And that's why he goes so long in between contact because – He knows where you're at. Mm -hmm. And she said, oftentimes, things like this, they find out later that, you know, the stalker has been driving by or keeping tabs or knows your routine. Mm -hmm. And so she said, when you move, and she gave me some precautions to take. Mm -hmm. And those are things that I've definitely put in place. But I also started realizing how often I watch cars that mm-hmm. are behind me and if they're behind me for too long mm-hmm. you know i start thinking about like should i turn here or go a different direction and sometimes i don't even realize that i'm thinking about it until they've turned off and all of a sudden i'm like oh i can breathe mm-hmm. and because it just is like a it's like a subconscious thing at this point yeah after we moved i felt like I suddenly didn't have to worry about the curtains as much anymore. Mm-hmm. I still like for them to be closed, mm-hmm. but I don't feel as paranoid about it. I feel a little safer. I also feel safer knowing, like, precautions I've taken. Mm-hmm. Um, even just basic internet safety, like, don't post pictures of your house on social media. Mm-hmm. You know, try to be careful about blocking, identifying surroundings. Mm-hmm. When you are near your home. Mm-hmm. Um, just some of those things, like, it makes me feel better to know that, like, I have done those things. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway, after we moved, not long after we moved even. No. Do you know, do you remember, like, I don't remember how long after we moved it was. I just remember, like, it happening and being like, whoa, he did not waste any time. Oh, my goodness. Okay. In looking up, trying to figure out when... He started after I moved. I found, um, you know how I said before we moved, he had emailed me? Mm-hmm. Because he had found that email. That email said, I'm sorry if I've done or said anything that hurt or offended you. That was my not my intent. I promise not to contact you again unless it is in response to your message. Mm. Okay. So, and that, that was very normal. That is like, I got that a lot. And like... You know, the stuff that I said earlier, I got a lot of that. It was all, it was either, it's either one or the other. Mm -hmm. So when we moved, not even three months later, I get an email from the direct sales company that I'm a part of that says he has ordered a catalog. Two weeks later, he signed up 
as a consultant. Two weeks. Two weeks later. And then it was let go for a few months. And then all of a sudden, he placed another placed an order. Mm-hmm. Just, just in this year, he has already placed one, two, three, four, five orders already. Wow. So your therapist was absolutely right. He went from contacting you every few years to now mm-hmm. it's every few months, if not more often. Yes. And the thing about it now is now I legally, there's, I have nothing I can do. I can go file a police report to start a paper trail, mm-hmm. but there's nothing that they can do about it mm-hmm. because all of my evidence for harassment is mm-hmm. gone at this point. Yeah. If I would have filed something when he was contacting me multiple times a day, leaving me long voicemails and just some of the things he said in the voicemails and stuff, mm-hmm. I would have had grounds. But at this point, there is nothing I can do about it. Mm-hmm. And no one ever advised you? No one ever to advised file a me to report file a for police report. And even at first... Nobody told him to respect my boundaries. Mm-hmm. It took probably almost, I'm guessing it was close to six months before somebody said, you need to respect her boundaries. Mm-hmm. It probably took me four months to even tell anybody other than my roommate about it mm-hmm. because I was so worried about protecting his integrity Yeah, and not having him lose any friends. A mm-hmm. lot of our youth group and my even my close friend group, they did not find out about it until it may have been almost a year later. Mm-hmm. And when I told them, I remember one of my friends being extremely shocked and she was just like, Crystal, why did you not tell us this? Mm-hmm. And I said, because I didn't want you to think badly of him. Mm-hmm. If that is not prime... Like, what we're taught in purity culture. Yes. I don't know what it is. Yes. At this point now, this has been going on for 11 years. Mm-hmm. This is something that you, that just, like, hovers over you. That's in mm-hmm. the back of your mind. You think about this. Yeah. You look back at when it first started and there's, like, just so many things we can think of that, you know, could have gone differently. They weren't done. No, mm-hmm. you were not advised to do those things. And part of that, I feel like, is a lack of of tools, of knowledge that a lot of churches have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of it is purity culture because if you would not have been put in the situation you had been yes. put in, if you had not been conditioned the way that you were conditioned, you could have handled it very differently. Yeah. Yeah. I was not protected mm-hmm. and I was not respected. Mm-hmm. And essentially, I kind of feel like purity culture gave me a stalker. Yeah. I don't blame you. I don't even know how to describe, like, the, I guess, mental weight mm-hmm. that comes from always having to be thinking about if someone is following you or if you took the same route from one place to the other too often. Mm-hmm. I try very, like, I have to try very hard to not, like, I have a favorite way to come to your house, but I don't always take the same way. Oh, my word. Because because I'm always changing it up so that I'm never doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think about how 
did he know where I lived all those other years? And I'm like, no, that's very easy, actually. I went to the same church for so long. Mm-hmm. And all he had to do was just go watch and wait and then follow me home. Mm, yeah. It was very simple. Mm-hmm. Now, if there is a place that I frequent often, I never go the same ways because, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's intense. That's a lot. <laughs> that is intense. Yeah, but we wanted to share this story. Yes. I wanted Crystal to share this story. She wanted to I share wanted, this story. I wanted to share this story, too. It, I know it was long, maybe even boring. I don't know. But I wish somebody had told me that it wasn't my fault. Yes. Because for so long, I thought... I'm being too sensitive. Mm-hmm. For so long, I thought I must have done something. Mm-hmm. I ever, I am, I tend to be a friendly person, mm-hmm. and you tend to be. <laughs> Guys, well, let's be real. <laughs> Crystal's a very friendly person. <laughs> I don't, can listen. Not if you mess with my friends. If you mess <laughs> with my friends or you hurt them, I will not be a friendly person. Okay. <laughs> There is a line. Okay, anyway. <laughs> now there is. <laughs> um, but I just thought I must have done yeah. something. You must I, have led I him I on. I led him on. Yeah. I did something to make him think I was really interested. I was too friendly. He must. He probably thought I was flirting mm-hmm. because I did something wrong. Maybe, like, was there something wrong in the way I dressed? Like, there must have been something that, like... You know, somehow I enticed him mm-hmm. because he wouldn't just do this for no reason. For no reason, he wouldn't be harassing me if I hadn't done something to make him think mm-hmm. that this is what it was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, I did nothing. Yeah. There are lots. I have lots of other guy friends who were friends with me at that same point of time in time that I treated the same way that I did him, and none of them. Are still hot, you know, stalking me or harassing me, and yeah. I mean, th- they've married wonderful women, mm-hmm. and th- we have no issues mm-hmm. in being friends. <laughs> like normal, I mean, it's, normal it's friendship normal. stuff. Yes, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's such a good point. You did nothing wrong. Yeah, and and purity culture teaches <laughs> like it's never the perpetrator's fault. No. You were like, like people did try talking to him on your behalf then, mm-hmm. but it was allowed to go on for too long. Yeah. And nothing was actually ever done to actually put a stop to it. Mm-hmm. That's so sad that those messages were communicated to you and you like for so long felt like it was your yes. fault. Yes. Yeah. You also weren't very direct, like, with your voice. Like, like you felt like you had to be nice and say, like, yes. I'll pray about it. And instead yes. of just, no. Yeah. I did not feel like I could say to him, no, I don't see pursuing a relationship with you. Or, no, I'm not interested in you. No, you're not my type. Because mm-hmm. literally all of those things were true. Mm-hmm. And I was completely shocked. When he asked me, because it had never even crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. Never, ever. Mm-hmm. It was not even a blip mm-hmm. in my mind. Yeah. 
And it completely blindsided me. Mm -hmm. Like looking back, I wish that I hadn't said that I would pray about it a second time so much. I mean, honestly, I wish I hadn't said that the first time. But um, I think the first time I said it because I was just like shocked. Mm -hmm. And also because I was trying to be nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I'm a nice girl. <laughs> just sorry, I had to. Okay, anyway. Um, yeah, just there was just like so much. And yeah. And even when it was like at first, the people who I was talking to about it really reinforced the messages of purity culture. Yeah. And so that also didn't help. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's not that they had ill intent, but that's what no. they knew, too. Yeah. That was how they were th conditioned to believe, too. So. I don't think anybody thought, hey, let's see if we can land Crystal with a stalker for the rest of her life. Yeah, absolutely but, not. Yeah, hopefully not the rest of my life. But, I mean, to be honest, at this point, my, my outlook on that is a little <laughs> bit bleak. You're feeling a little so, discouraged. Yeah. I mean, on it, like, to be honest, I've completely thought about completely not, you know, having any affiliation with that direct sales company anymore mm -hmm. to try to cut that contact there. But then I'm also worried that if I do that, then that's just going to make him try harder to find another way. Mm -hmm. And I really don't want that. Yeah, it's tough. That is really a tough situation so, trying yeah. to navigate how to decide how to do that. In the end, I think, I don't want to speak for both of us, but I think that Crystal wanted to share this story kind of to say, if you are in a situation where you're uncomfortable, mm -hmm. it is okay to say no. Yeah. It is okay to be direct. It's okay to come across even as rude. You do not owe anyone anything just because they're interested in you or they think you're pretty. If they make you uncomfortable you don't owe them anything mm -hmm. and you deserve to feel safe. And like in thinking about it too, like if I had known then what I do now, mm -hmm. I would never have sacrificed all of the peace that I have lost mm -hmm. because of the situation just to not make him uncomfortable yeah. for that moment. Yeah. Because his uncomfortableness is not going to last no. nearly as long as yours has. Nope. So there's that. And, and you know, if something got to the point, like, looking back at that, probably a reason you didn't file a police report for harassment is probably because you, like, you probably rationalized in your mind, is it that bad? Yeah. Is it, if if you are being harassed, you are not being dramatic, you are not being over the top you are not being too much i didn't even know that it i didn't know what harassment was at that point in yeah time. yeah that's you know that's another i mean point. I, yeah. I didn't know that and i think even i could see me even if someone had suggested filing a police report which nobody did but if they had being like oh well i don't really want to get him in trouble like mm -hmm. you know mm-hmm and, and, and like, that's, I can totally see where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. Like, I can see where this younger version of Crystal was coming from so much. I can see myself in her. Like, mm -hmm. I can see all of purity culture in her. Like, it's so sad, but it's true. I feel like that's how a lot of 
people would have responded. Mm -hmm. That's why we're telling the story. Like you're probably, there's a lot of people probably not in the same situation, but if you are experiencing something like this, it's okay to speak up. It's okay if someone gets in trouble because they were harassing you. It's okay Mm -hmm. if someone gets in trouble because they made you uncomfortable. That's their decisions. They have to be responsible for their actions. Yeah. I was going to say, I think um, basically what you said, but just a different way to say it is that if some, I think we often feel like if I say no, I will make them uncomfortable. But they are there. They made the choice to put mm-hmm. themselves in that situation. Yeah. So if they are uncomfortable, that's them. Mm-hmm. That's not you. Yeah. You didn't make the choice to have them ask you on a date, like exactly. in that in that circumstance, in that kind of scenario. They made the choice to ask you on the date. You did not have a choice in them asking you. Mm-hmm. You do have a choice in your answer. They made the choice. So therefore, if they're uncomfortable, that goes with them because they made the choice. Absolutely. Not on you. Absolutely. 100% agree. Well, thank you for sharing that, Crystal. I know it was very intense and probably difficult for you. It's a lot at one time, but... It'll be, it'll, I'll be fine. Yeah. And I'll turn up some music on the way home and it'll be great. Um, <laughs> I'll also give you a hug too. <laughs> okay, now I'm excited. Um, <laughs> I completely forgot to tell you something that happened the other day. Oh dear. My son was <laughs> chewing on electrical cords. <laughs> so I had to ground him. <laughs> but, um, He's doing better currently <laughs> and conducting himself better. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. I your dad's going to love that one too. He really should. If he if he if he doesn't love that one, I will start questioning his skills as a carpenter. <laughs> or maybe not so much his skills, but his Love of carpentry. <laughs> I mean, carpentry doesn't really... They shouldn't be installing electric things as a, as just a carpenter. But he's kind of a jack of all trades. He really is. <laughs> I love um, ending the episode with, the, with, a, with a fun joke. Love it. Do you like that I just like... You just went straight just into went it. for it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, there's just no like there's no good, good segue. way to get out of here. <laughs> so... And also, I was just thinking, I was like, this was kind of heavy. Yeah. And, like, just kind of, like, there, we didn't really have positive points throughout. <laughs> so, I was like, maybe if I just, like, pop it in there, it'll be funny. It'll be a good, a good laugh to end the episode with. Yeah. yeah. If you don't already, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Friendship Bread. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, just go ahead and leave us a wonderful review. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can give us as many stars as you can. You can also share this episode. I don't know. If you have any friends who are dealing with a stalker, send them this episode. I hope, I hope to get not. not. So maybe we hope this episode doesn't get shared. I don't know. <laughs> Why am I saying all these crazy things? My filter has vanished it's gone okay you can also find our community blog at thefriendshipbread.com 
Um, we also have some resources there. If you're wondering about the book that we were talking about earlier, all of that is linked on there. Thank you for hanging in for this conversation. We hope you will be back in two weeks for another episode of the Friendship Bird Podcast. Bye! Bye.